have been doing a series at the moment called Jesus is My. And uh, who was here last week? Quite a few of you. Excellent. And so last week, last week we spoke about Jesus is my testimony. And uh, I shared on the importance of story and the importance of our story and how that can encourage each other. And as the scriptures say, iron sharp as iron. So, you know, as we share our story with other Christians, we are sharpening. And as we share our story with non-believers, we are sharpening as well. So it's quite, uh, quite important. And this morning, we're going to go to the format of an interview like we did a few weeks ago. And um, it's going to be a little bit intimate and, uh, and hopefully, hopefully a little bit enlightening and there'll be some revelation involved. So I'm going to invite Luke up and we're going to try and find those chairs that we had earlier. They were floating around somewhere. Are we ready to hear from Mr. Luke Lewitzka? He even put dress shoes on today. Oh, no, they're sneakers. I mean, dress pants. Now, does this feel like a lounge room? Yes, or even better, does it feel like a Dr. Phil show? (laughs) We're a little bit organic this morning, so. Well, let me introduce to you Luke Lewitzka. He's been a part of our our church for a, a long time, so do you have your microphone there, mate? We don't have a mic. Oh. I'm going to blame myself for that. That that was that was my fault. Hey Matt, I'm just sounding a little bit tinny. Can we? It is it is me, but I want to I want to feel a bit manly. So can we put a bit of a bit of gain on test, on the test. so that when I'm when I'm asking the questions, it's uh, it's got a little bit more depth to it, you know. So so how long have you been at church, Luke? Uh, at church or yeah, at this church? At this church. At this church, uh, probably around 10 years, I guess, yep. And you've loved every minute of it, right? It, it was actually a brilliant move, you know. It's, uh, there, there was, there was <laughs> that didn't backfire, <laughs> did it? Could you? I, I, think, I think there was just something of the substance of, um, you know, God, his kingdom and the message uh, that really resonated. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, I did say to Luke that when he came to share, he didn't have to share the deepest parts of his life. So, this is quite light and fluffy today. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So, what's your favourite colour jelly bean? Uh, I don't eat jelly beans. Don't? Not, like, not a fan. Are you, are you one of those people that don't drink coffee either? I, I do drink coffee. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and, all right. Well, then, what's your favourite food? Oh, gosh. Mum's chocolate cake. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Scoring brownie points there. And, um, and if you could own any vehicle in the world, what would it be? Uh, yeah, we discussed this the other day, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah. When I, was I know the answer, but I just uh, think the church I, I, would... I always like. wanted a Pontiac Trans Am. Um, you know, the big eagle on the front of the bonnet. I thought it was pretty cool. Beautiful. Don't really know the practicalities of that, really. But. 
You could you could fit a bass guitar in the boot of a Pontiac Trans Am, though. You could probably fit more than that in the okay, boot. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. A drum kit, you reckon? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into it. So, um, Luke's gonna tell us a little bit of his story and a little bit of a story of a of a very prominent predominant revelation in his life and and a moment where God revealed Himself to him in a certain way. Um, and so I'm, without further ado, Luke, I'm going to let you go. And we do banter a bit, and that's kind of when the good stuff comes out. So if I butt in, it's not just because I'm being annoying, it's because we might go down a track that's actually beneficial, but maybe not as well. So. Cool, cool. So tell us a bit about Luke Lewitzka. Luke Lewitzka, right. So yeah, I guess I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, my story is... Uh, not one like you know you see the uh, you know the drug addict or whatever have this really bad life and then have this amazing uh, revelation, um, but it's uh, well I think it's dramatic in a in a quite a different way. So I guess we'll start with the first slide. Okay, this was uh, Peter and Sally's search. So uh, I think. Um, Oh, Mum, I should have asked you this beforehand. Was it the Christian Revival Crusade we went to as kids? CRC? Yep. <laughs> so I, I believe Ding. this... Sorry? That's a tick. That's a correct That's a tick. answer. Correct Sorry. answer. Excellent. Yeah. Can't remember much back in the 80s, but um, that's why Dad wrote everything down, which is fantastic. So, so this was a little book, and you've probably seen a lot like, uh, a lot like them. Uh, they've got a brown page, which uh, represents that we're all born into sin. Uh, we've got the red page, which represents uh, Christ's blood, which makes a way. And on there, there's things like, you know, good deeds, good morals, education, religion. All of those things don't, don't cross this gap between us and God, uh, but the cross does. Uh, the white page is the forgiveness of sin. We're washed as white as snow. And uh, the green page represents uh, growth. So we're, we're, you know, going on this journey with Jesus and we're, we're growing into uh, who we were designed to be. Just out of interest, who has seen a book like that or was presented a book when they were younger? Oh, look at that. There you go. Back in the days of flannel graph. Uh, absolute cracker. Yep. I highly recommend. Luckily, I've brought a flannel graph here today and we can just model that. No, I'm just kidding. You'll need to tell me what a flannel graph is. It's... Anyone? No. So a flannel graph is a board where you would put the pictures of the, the little bits of cloth and it would create little stories and so you'd have all these different cutouts to, to create Bible stories. So, Yes, I do remember those now that you mentioned it. Pretty cool. We might have one upstairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so at the top of there, uh, Dad wrote, uh, Luke made his decision to let Jesus live in him on Saturday night, June 2nd, 1985. Uh, so I would have been about four years old at the time. Well, not about. I was four years old at the time. Um, and, you know, my idea behind that was, well, you know, hell bad, heaven good. Um, yeah, I, I want to go to heaven. And so that was really, I can say that Jesus was my saviour at that point in time. And I had a good understanding that nothing that I did would separate me from this um, being brought into his family as a child of God, that my sins were forgiven, past, present, future. Um, and, you know, I'm a bit of a thinker even, I guess, at that age. And, and I even thought, well, you know, why, why are we even 
you know, here on earth. You know, why, why once we become saved, why don't we just, you know, all pass away and have eternal awesomeness? Especially because, you know, there's so much pain and suffering in this world. And, uh, yeah, that, w- that was kind of my faith um, up until I was about 15. Yeah, so, um, so I, I think there'd be, like, many people here who grew up in a Christian household and that would be a similar story in the sense that they, they were introduced to Christ in, in kids' church um, and had the understanding of hell bad, heaven good, so then let's, let's go down that path. And um, you mentioned that that was your understanding until you were 15, so lead us through the circumstances which moved you along. Sure. Yeah, so when I was around 15... Um, I had this dream, and this will this will make more sense later on. But just setting the context, we'll we'll get back to it. So in this dream, uh, my my grandmother she handed me a book. We can go to the next slide if you like. Uh, it's just a it's a book called The Boys' Book of Flight. It's just a book about aeroplanes and schematics and whatnot. So cool. Pretty cool, yeah, I, I liked as a kid. It was actually a, a book, well, one of three books that was given to my dad and he'd passed them on to me. Can, uh, can I just ask a question? Yeah. Were you like my kids and tried to build your own wing set and jump off the roof? No, I wasn't that ambitious. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it must be just your kids. I tried it, even with a parachute, you know, like those big Woolies ba- plastic bags, they were epic. I'm just like, let's just give it a crack. <laughs> Didn't, didn't work. work. <laughs> <laughs> I need photos. <laughs> we need photos. Uh, yeah, so in this, in this dream, she handed me this book. She opened it and she handed it to me. Uh, and then she went off to her bedroom. And my grandfather followed her in and put the blanket over her head. And then he went off into his room and put the blanket over his own head. And I thought, oh, that's all very interesting. And I woke up. In the morning, in, we're back to real life now, not the dream world. And Dad comes into my room and says, um, you know, your grandmother passed away last night. And he was a bit teary and whatnot. And I'm like, wow, you know, this was quite significant. And, uh, and, and sure enough, my grandfather died shortly after. I can't remember if it was months or years, but there wasn't much time when he passed away. So we'll just hold on to that. The relevance is of this is that I was handed this book. I had no idea of its meaning um, or the rel- relevance, why it was prominent within this dream, uh, but the fact that it was one of three books uh, that was uh, handed to me as a child. Very cool. So, um, well, a hard time in your life, you know, being 15 years old. I think that's, uh, you know, an, an age where you start to be begin to understand things in a lot more depth and then to have your your grand pass away um, and your your grand grandpa shortly after that that would have been um, a lot more understanding you would have had a lot more understanding than had it been earlier in life or or whatnot so yeah I guess they were you know my first uh, close relatives that were yep. to pass so I hadn't gone through that before it wasn't an intense grieving process I wasn't super close but uh, certainly significant yeah. Yep. 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 Um, and so then, shortly after that, you had another significant moment in your life. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I guess I was probably uh, 
yeah, 15 or 16, and I guess just thinking about my faith and, and you know, there has to be more to it than, than just a ticket to heaven, you know. There, ha- there has to be more to this. And, you know, I can remember looking up lots of different preachers and, uh, well, no, we did, weren't looking them up. We didn't I have think, the internet. I think, I think you're fast-forwarding <laughs> there for a second. I've got here that at age 16 you got baptised. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, the baptism. at uh, We were going to this Christian gospel centre at the time. And that was quite substantial as well. Like there was just, um, uh, you know, this relationship and, and, and friendship that I had with God was, was very dear to me. You know, the worship times we had and, you know, I would, I would hear God speak to me and, and all, all, it, it, was, it was a lovely relationship uh, that I had with Jesus and my Heavenly Father. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Now I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So, but then I thought, well, there must be more to faith than what I'm, uh, what what this experience is. You know, you can't just be a, a ticket to heaven. And so there was a time in there which, uh, and and I, we've all heard of these stories where people pray for patience, and we all know that that's a bad prayer to pay, pray. Because uh, <laughs> God will give us plenty of circumstances to exercise our patience. Who needs patience this morning? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I hadn't heard too many of those types of stories at the time. And, uh, but I had prayed this prayer along the lines of like, uh, I, I didn't feel as though my faith was uh, solid. Or, or, or it was, it was, I didn't feel as though it was unshakable. And I'm, I'm like, surely if... if this faith, this God is real, then my faith should be unshakable. So I prayed a prayer, something along the lines of like, God, I don't care what it takes, uh, give me an unshakable faith. Um, it's that's, a, that's it's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> dangerous, <laughs> dangerous prayer to, to pray. Right. So anyway, in, in my searching for, you know, authenticity and, and this, this tangibility of, of faith, uh, I was going through watching different preachers on TV. Like I said, we didn't have the internet, uh, obviously, uh, back in the, whenever that was, early 90s. And um, let alone streaming, that wouldn't have worked on dial-up. Anyway. (laughs) And uh, I came across this one particular preacher. I was working at Butler and Butler at the time and he had recommended this particular uh, gentleman to listen to. And he was preaching this preach... um, about the unforgivable sin from Matthew. And this is something that was new information to me and I had not actually heard anything like this from the pulpit. And it was coming from a, a very much a fear base. He was saying things like, oh, you know, I hope you haven't done the unforgivable sin or, you know, I wouldn't want to be in that person's shoes if, if I've done that because there's, you know, there's no turning back, you know. And, uh, and this was quite kind of concerning because I had always had this solid assurance that I could never be taken out of God's hand and um, and and now all of a sudden here's this new bit of information which is from the Bible and it's like well hang on a second you can lose your salvation and I think we should just take a little break here for Caleb to interject sure I'm interjecting interjecting <laughs> um so I think this is this is this is an important uh, sort of time to consider that this is why, as Christ followers, it's important us to have a good foundation in hermeneutics. 
so, um, so that we can decipher what it says um, and what it means to read the Bible in context. Because all scripture is for us, but some is not necessarily to us. So, um, shameless plug here. Our founding pastor, Chad Mansbridge, he wrote a book which is You Can Handle the Truth. And, and I did the course, a number of us have actually done the course last year, or was it last year and this year. Um, and it actually gives you a great perspective of Scripture and how to find out the origins of it and put Scripture in context and work out if that Scripture is actually to me right now because the Word of God is living and breathing and uh, it's the only book you can read when the author is there with you. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's important to have a good understanding of hermeneutics and even a good understanding of theology mm. in your Christian walk. Right. Excellent. Summed up. Yes, yes. That's a whole other bunny trail which we're not here this morning for. Sure. Yeah, um, we we yeah. could talk for hours, so we're not going. <laughs> we need yeah. chocolate milk, though. Cho- yeah, that's pretty good. Yep. Okay, so anyway, so this was playing around in my head and, and you know, I wanted handles on this and, and a, a real strong grasp. And, and I can remember it was a Tuesday night, I was brushing my teeth and I was just looking in the, in the bathroom mirror and I, I just muttered under my breath, you know, I, I blaspheme you, Holy Spirit. And uh, Which, for those of that don't know, is mentioned in Matthew, and it's kind of like, this is the unforgivable sin. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, it, because it was very much a rock and a hard place, like, you know, I, I never liked any tone, stone left unturned. I, I wanted all my ducks in a row. And surely there's, you know, there has to be absolutes with this. And, and that's, you know, my curiosity... And it's like, well, I don't know what it's like to not be saved. I know what it's like to be saved and have a relationship with God. And it, it didn't feel like that I knew everything. And this is obviously where, you know, the, the tree of knowledge, if we go to that, it's us wanting to know. It's what us wanting to be like God. And, uh, and some things are, are just off limits, as, uh, <laughs> as I so, so soon discovered. Um, so at that moment... Um, it, it, this shroud, this despair, this darkness, uh, just just completely uh, gripped me. And um, and again, this was not the reality. This was not God's reality. This was not that I was no longer a child of God or anything like that. Uh, this was just my belief at that time, which was which was uh, causing this torment. But um, yeah, so so yeah, despair. Yep, despair. So the meaning of despair in the English dictionary is to lose all hope. To be overcome by a sense of futility or defeat. Um, and if, if you focus in on the fact that it says to lose all hope, you know, who is Jesus to us? Well, he is our hope, isn't he? He is our hope in, in life. Life abundant, life to the full. Um, so, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I would, I was, uh, you know, I couldn't sleep, I, I couldn't eat, I could barely even drink water, it's just, I was tossing and turning all night, it was just uh, incredibly uh, traumatic. Uh, I wanted a second chance, but of course, I'd believe that there was, in this case, there was no second chances. I wanted to escape my being, I questioned God, why didn't you take my life while I was saved? Um, you know, all these questions and going around in my head, trying to trying to weasel out of 
this uh, situation that I had put myself into. You'd lost all hope. I'd, I'd lost all hope. Like there's, there was, in my mind, uh, there was just no, no coming back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wished it on my worst enemy, that experience. Like, it, it was dreadful. Uh, and how long did that, that experience last? Because you mentioned, you know, there was, there was a day where you sort of muttered it under your breath in front of the mirror. And, um, and then you felt this despair, which was all encompassing, all gripping. Uh, there was no hope. How long did that period of time last? And then what was the catalyst to sort of stepping past that? Yeah. You can take your time too. But yeah, so that was a Tuesday night. And that was, so Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night. And like I said, I, I could barely eat or drink anything. And I'm like, look, I, I can't even, I can't live because like, you know, just as a biological entity, uh, we need nutrients to sustain ourselves. <laughs> so it was a Thursday, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Thursday morning. I think it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And and uh, it was the, the, the two questions kind of, or the two choices, it was a choice. Two choices crystallised in front of me. And, and one was like, well at least if I stop believing the whole Bible, if I stop believing about my conversion as a four-year-old and, and my whole 16 years of faith, then at least I can go into a naturalistic... Naturalism is just like atheism. We only look at what we believe and what we can see and touch, and that's the only truth in, in, this, uh, in this life that we have. Uh, so that was a really attractive offer because at least then I could live this life, I would die and there would be nothing. And at least nothing is better than hell. And you could almost discount, you know, anything and just say, well, that doesn't matter, so therefore I'm living my life as if it doesn't matter. But then, yeah. you know, it's, it's a very narrow view, isn't it? You know, uh, like, sort of... It's and, absurd. <laughs> and that's that's another sort of, you know thing that we could road that we could go down you know in in the fact that you know everything is held we were talking about everything is held together by molecules you know and there anyway we might we'll get, get to that, that later <laughs> we'll get to that later it's exciting yeah so the second option was okay i continue believing in the word of god and if this is god's sovereign will for my life then you know i accept that because he is holy and he is awesome so I prayed to him and I'm like, well, God's not even there. I didn't even feel him or he wasn't listening or whatever. But I'm just like, God, if you can even hear me, um, I still surrender to you. I surrender my will. And if this is your will for my life, I know you are good. You are sovereign. This is what is best for your story. Then I submit my will to your story, to you. Um, and it was in that moment. I don't, I don't really understand what happened. But it was in that moment. It's kind of like a, a raindrop or a tear or this is a vision. Uh, it kind of just dropped and it was like it just was so gentle. 
so gentle and so soft and it just landed in this sea and this ripple, just so gentle, so soft. But this ripple, this ripple just pushed back the darkness. It was just so powerful. It's, it's, it's just the most remarkable and like I said, I don't really understand but all I know is that I surrendered to him and his will and his holiness and his righteousness and uh, yeah, wow. Wow. <laughs> yep. at, at that point, you know, you, you, you mentioned you just don't know what happened but you just surrendered and... And Alan was like, you know, God, you are sovereign. And you you mentioned when we were chatting that Matthew sixteen twenty five, the scripture where it talks about if if you want to save your life, you will, you will lose it. Um, became real for you at that point. Yeah, so yeah. So that that scripture. I am going to read it. No, okay, before it. we before we do it. So Matthew sixteen twenty five. Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And that talks about submitting to his will, like to me. Um, but let us know what, what your revelation was. Yeah, so that scripture pre this experience uh, would really bother me. Something I would say in that period of time is there as well in that few days is I went to the Bible for scriptures and encouragement and 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 it, it all it was it the message completely changed because because I had believed that now I was outside of his family and I was an enemy of God, all these scriptures are like, man, you don't want to be on the on the bad side of God, like he is awesome and 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 powerful, and you know you do not want to be his enemy. Uh, <laughs> it's like you just need to look at some of those Old Testament stories. My goodness. Um, so, <laughs> so with the significance of that particular passage, is that beforehand it's like I always felt that I wanted to, uh, as we all do, we're all it's the human condition. We want to hold on to parts of life. And there were definitely parts that, you know, I didn't want to let go of. So it's like, I guess, I guess in a lot of ways, just thinking that now, that's probably where the uncertainty came from. Um, but when this, you know, when this, uh, what's the other verse? The, the grain. Yep. yep, so John 12, 24 says this, Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, uh, it remains by itself, but... If it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Yeah. So again, it's just it's this it's this process of his his sovereignty. It's a, it's his story. It's about him. It's it's salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. It certainly d- didn't belong to me, but he's given to it as a gift. Um. Yeah. So yes. I think that covers off on that verse. Yes, yes it does. So salvation belongs to our God. Um, And I've got some notes here. Uh, So he didn't require you to understand, you know. So Luke didn't understand what was taking place in that moment, but he knew that he had had favour and salvation, the gift of salvation again. Um, 
and mm. and I've got here that your dad said it's a matter of renewing and aligning your mind with scripture. Do you want to take us sort of a little bit yep. in into that? So after you'd made you'd had this moment of the raindrop. Yeah. Uh you'd obviously opened up with your dad and had conversations about it and, yep. and he was encouraging in the sense of that. Yeah, yeah. So so this was, you know, a profound experience and and things like even after that, it was it was just a- everything kind of looked different. And oh, this is where we got to uh, just seeing how you know I, I was for whatever reason. Again, I didn't really understand, but I was running around the room touching objects and things, and just and just amazed that like things like chairs and and everything was was actually being held together. And it it kind of occurred to me that oh, all this stuff is being held together because of the laws of nature that God had put into place at the beginning of time. And if, if, that, if they weren't there, all of this stuff would just fall apart. It would just fall to pieces. We would fall apart. And, you know, I'd see people downcast in the street and I'm like, man, if he just realised that God is holding him together or her together, uh, like, it was just, yeah. And that verse about the uh you know the rocks crying out when jesus is entering jerusalem and if you know if they don't praise you the rocks will cry out and again his he he is the creator of these laws of of physics and in that instance he is he is the source of that he is the greater truth and the rocks would like literally cry out which is not something that we would experience in the in the naturalistic world, but it's 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 this greater truth. It's not natural; it's supernatural, you know. And um, uh, yeah, so that that's that was kind of a, a, a bit of a side note. Yes. Yep. Uh, but so so this. But this a fun side note in our conversations, you know, that science says everything is molecules. It's made up of molecules, and they are all held together, and no one knows why. Well, I know why, because God commanded it. That's why. And they can't be created or destroyed. Can't be created or destroyed, but they are in their rightful place because God is in control. Correct. Um, Cool. So we digress. Yes. But but I think if if we go and circle back to the three books. Yes. So you received the flight book when you were a boy, um, and that meant something to you. And tell us about the other other two books because there was yep. two books that follow that that I think is important in this whole mm. picture and this was later in life as well so you'd gone through this when you were 16 mm. you'd had that re-revelation let's say that re-revelation of who God is in your life that submission that surrender to God I do not even know if I have done the unforgivable but I'm going to submit to that and I kind of feel like um I'll sum that up later, but let's let's circle back to these three books. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, uh, that revelation, that gift, uh, you know, was kept my faith going for a good amount of years, and and that was that was brilliant. Uh, the love and the peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Like again, it's just one of those things that uh, we we can't grasp with our you know human minds. But uh, when I was around 21, 22, I was having other chats with other people and I revisited this fear. And through this process, um, uh, you know, I went to my parents and various people and, and, and my dad in particular always dealt with uh, real things with scripture. Right. And uh, so he, 
he might, I think he wrote down a bunch of scriptures for me and I stuck them up, up everywhere, you know, in, in the bathroom, in my bedroom, in the car. And uh, whenever these thoughts would come, I would just Did read it. Did you have the scripture on your windscreen as you're driving? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I live by faith, not by sight. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> That's so silly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was, um, so yeah, so when these thoughts would come, I would just read this, uh, read these scriptures, whatever one was at hand, and if the thought hadn't gone, I'd read it again, hadn't gone, I'd read it again, hadn't gone, read it again, and until my mind was renewed with the truth, that was greater than the truth in my mind. The power of, power of continuing to speak God's word into yep. a situation, absolutely, yep. Yep. perfect. Consistency, yeah, and, yep. and eventually the scales... You know, it's like that, don't tell your problem, don't tell God how big your problem is, tell your problem, tell your problem how, how big, big God, God is. is. Yep. The scales change and then this becomes a greater truth than your own subjective human belief. Awesome. And we can all use that, can't we? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyway, at this second time around, when I visited this, uh, this issue, uh, it, uh, this dream, I was reminded of this dream and this one of the three books. So we had that, that book of flight that we had up on the screen before. Uh, the second book in that series, uh, uh, well, not series of books, they were just three books that were given, passed down to me from my dad. And, and they were sitting on your shelf in this order, weren't they? They were sitting on my shelf in this yep. order, yeah. Uh, so the second book is just this black book with a skull and crossbones on it. It's actually a story about a pirate. I, I don't really read into that. I don't think I've ever read it. But, um, but the book was obviously very symbolic of, of death. Um, you know, you, I, I think, you know, there's not even a title or anything on it. It's just a symbol. Uh, <laughs> so so that, that's like, wow, that was, that was this, this moment in my life. And the last book, next slide, thank you, uh, was, I don't know, it's a funny little story about a, a strange little bear called Bonzo. Um, which he had lots of adventures in life and, and you know, I, I kind of thought in my mind, uh, you know, whether this was my mind or the spirit or I, I don't know, but it's like, oh, I wonder if this is the rest of my life now in freedom. It's not like the boy's book of flight was when I was just, you know, sailing through life and didn't have a worry in the world up in the clouds and, you know, that was, that was wonderful. Then this time of death and now this time of adventure and it's like, oh, here's, here's, a, here's a story. Uh, and, uh, and it's like, uh, I wonder if this is, you know, a symbolic of the, the remainder of my life. And anyway, I thought, just for fun, I'll see, I'll have a, you know, you're never supposed to read the last page of a book, are you? But I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, read, I'll have a look at the last page. And uh, so I flicked to the next slide, page. And... Um, Bonzo there, he's, he's waking up out of bed. He's had a long night and all these stories have been a dream. And Bonzo says, It's good to be home, sighed Bonzo happily. So this, this, this life we have, it's, it's, it's the vapour, it's the front cover, like the adventures to come. Those that have have have, have passed. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yep, this is this is the uh the prelog. Pre pre prologue? Prologue, that one. Yeah. That one. Yes, prelog, there you go. Uh I think I think it's interesting because we have all we have all been become a Christian, you know, because heaven is good and hell is bad. And at some stage we all along the journey uh probably come to a place where we feel like what we've done or what where we are at at that certain amount certain point in time uh discounts us from the love of God. But he is our salvation and he is righteous righteous and our righteousness comes from him being righteous and him giving us that. And so, therefore, we can then live in that grace. You know, I think of Philippians 3.20 where it says we are a new creation with the Lord as a citizen of heaven. And that is our home. You know, and when, when I see that, that it is so good to be home, I'm like, that's the hope we have in Christ. That, that at the end of this life, you know, here, here is just a, a practice and we get, to, we get to be a light to the world, to a lost world. And at the end of that, we get to be be home and heaven is our home so that grace so to summarize this whole story at age four you became a christian jesus was your savior because heaven good hell bad at age 15 you had the dream baptism age 16 your pursuit of faith predominant preacher speaking on blasphemy of the holy spirit where you felt despair and then you were reunited with Christ in that moment of the teardrop. And then that was revisited at this age, which was 21, 22, uh, where you made Scripture stronger than your circumstance. And you discovered the meaning of the books as well. See, God was writing his story, and Luke got to be a part of it. Amen. And uh, Luke's existential circumstance was replaced with Jesus the truth and his finished work in you so Luke's will to survive or his striving was replaced with kingdom life and he came to the point and I think we all do at some stage where we ask God am I really saved is your grace enough well, the truth is, it's more than enough. The truth is, it's more than enough, and it keeps on giving, and it refreshes us every day. And this is why it's so important for us to put Christ on every day and rest in His grace. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore He is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to make intercession for them. Romans 8, 38 says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Romans 10.13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, I think in this, uh, you mentioned before that before you knew Jesus as your saviour, but after having the revelation that and the submission and the Lord, you are all and in all, and you know it's in your hands where my salvation lies. In our conversations, he mentioned that that's when Jesus became his Lord and Saviour. He was Lord of his life as well. And so if you were to sum this up in a, you know, Jesus is my, we came to the, well, he came to the conclusion that Jesus is your truth is what I said. Um, I thought, re- rethought about it this morning and actually, oh, no, he's changed it I changed my mind. But, but no, I, 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 I thought, yeah, Lord and Saviour uh, even fit better. Jesus yeah. is my Lord and Saviour. Yep. Absolutely. And he is your Lord and Saviour. And if he's not today, he can be.